Good morning, my friend. I hope you are doing well. I am so excited to bring you this Friday conversation, except it's not Friday, it's Saturday. And even though we recorded this conversation on a Friday, it's a perfect conversation to have for Self Brain Surgery Saturday. I've got Kristen Smedley, one of our favorite people. Kristen is an entrepreneur. She is a podcaster, co-host of the Brilliantly Resilient podcast with Mary Fran Bontempo, who was a Friday conversation a few weeks ago. She is a TED speaker and has a, an incredible platform around blindness because she raised two blind sons who have gone on to do incredible things. And Kristen's story is powerful. It's compelling. It's motivating. In fact, it will challenge you to ask yourself why you're not doing more in some areas of your life once you know something that needs to be done like she did. Uh, and I don't want to steal Kristen's thunder because the, the episode is incredible. This conversation is just phenomenal, and I, I think it will really bless you. Um, she talks about her new children's book that's coming out soon called What I Can Be is Up to Me, and I'll put links to her work, her books, her podcast, um, and her website in the show notes. And there's an opportunity to participate in doing some giving towards her work that benefits blind and disabled children, um, and it's incredible. Her organization is great, and I'm just uh, really in, excited to reintroduce you to Kristen Smedley today. We had her on the show back in 2020, um, and that was a great conversation too, but this this one, um, there were some tears shed, and it's just an exciting and wonderful conversation. I think you're going to love it. Listen, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and Kristen's story is one of an incredible moment when she had to change her her mind about something and it really changed her life and it changed the lives of countless kids behind her not just her own but that wonderful conversation you're going to love it and the good news about all this even though you can't change your life until you change your mind lisa always reminds us that you can start today hey are you ready to change your life if the answer is yes there's only one rule you have to change your mind first and my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Welcome back, friend. I am so excited to bring you back a good friend of ours and a person who's actually been on the podcast once before. Kristen Smedley is with us today. Hey, Kristen. Hey, how's it going? I'm so happy to be back here and, and get to uh, see you and chat with you. I know the last time I talked to you on the podcast anyway was in 2020, believe it or not. It's almost three years ago. So crazy. Oh, that infamous year. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we were in a hotel. We were, we were actually moving from Casper to North Platte and we were in a hotel in Boulder when I got recorded with you. So I got, I saw that episode the other day and I was like, well, I was in a hotel. I forgot all about that. So <laughs> lots of things have changed since the last time I talked to you. So 
you have, Kristen, I've told people your story a little bit in the setup to this episode, but you got one of the most sort of inspiring stories of anybody I've ever talked to in real life. And, um, I know I first came across you because you direct a message to me, I think in Instagram or Twitter or something a few years ago about a mutual connection, the smileys. Um, and you kind of told me your story and, and we said, well, we need to get together and talk. So, um, give us a, a rundown of your story, kind of in a nutshell. Um, and then we'll talk more about the details. You just got such an inspiring story. So let's hear it from you. Yeah, I just uh, I just uh, did a big social media thing about the fact that I have been a mom for 23 years as of this past yeah. Sunday. It was my oldest son's 23rd birthday, which also uh, makes me a mom of blind children for 23 years. That was wow. that was um, at the time it was the biggest sucker punch of my life to hear when I had all of the things I had planned for my entire life finally came to fruition and my biggest dream ever to be a mom came true. And then when I heard the what I say were the four, the four hardest words I had ever heard. Your son is blind. That was when Michael yeah. was was four months old back in the year two thousand. But um, and then three years later, I heard the exact same sentence, which I thought was a death sentence back then. Your son is blind with with my yeah. Mitchell. Um, and I, I uh, for those of you, if you're seeing the video, I, I know that seems ridiculous that I'm smiling so big because back then it was. You know, I was always a smiler. I was always finding the the silver lining and and full of hope and rose colored glasses. And my life had been, although not perfect and quite challenging, it just things worked out, and I just had really good um, optimism. <laughs> Some say yeah. that my my memoir could be called Delirious Optimist. Until that day, <laughs> until that day when I heard your son is blind, I'm like, mm. so I did not handle that diagnosis very well. So I want people to understand that, that I, I was a couch crier for far too long than I really care to admit. But I think it's important to admit it and talk about it because it did take me a while to to get my head around it. And I did do a fake it till you make it for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So you had two sons born with this uh, pretty, pretty rare genetic condition that causes that they're almost totally blind, right? Yeah, they had a little bit of vision when they were born, but it's pretty much a lifetime of degeneration happened in a very short amount of time in the first couple of years of life. And for LCA-CRB1, which is what they have, um, it's it, it was estimated years ago, there's 300 kids in this country. I'm involved in research now. And it, as testing's getting better, we're, we're finding that not, number might be a little higher, but it's still so rare. Wow. And so it, it didn't stop with that. So you had two sons that were blind. You had a third child that was sighted. Um, you went through another kind of big, hard thing with your family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we went along and, and kind of figured it out. And then after, uh, after 19 years of, of a marriage and thinking I was headed for celebrating a 50th wedding anniversary, like my parents did, um, I was suddenly single after, after 19 years with, with, you know, three kids and, and two of them blind. And, um, and I know that um, all divorces are hard, but I will say that ours was uh, one of those, one of those ultra rare, incredibly hard ones that um, turned our lives upside down and inside out. Um, mm. And and to see to see where where my children and I are now, six and a half years out of that, um, it, it's extraordinary. It's it's uh, it's quite a testament to to faith and having a very good support system around you. Yeah. yeah. So you, you 
you, you've written about that, how kind of handling all these challenges sort of by yourself um, created another layer of difficulty for you. And, and you wrote beautifully in one of your posts about the day that your, your, your attitude changed towards your kids. And this, this story that you told about how you were having the worst day ever. And, and, and your, I think your youngest son is the one that changed your mind, right? The, it was Michael. The, it was my oldest. Cause was I was, Michael? Mitch, okay, tell Mitchell, us that wasn't, story. Mitchell was about to, I was, I was what, eight months pregnant with Mitch. Mm. And I knew that LCA, we didn't know it was CRV1 gene yet, but LCA as a, as its own umbrella disease has a 25% chance of having a second affected child. Mm. And, and I already said, delirious optimist Kristen was like, 25%, that's small. What about 75? 75% is huge. There's no way this would happen twice. And that morning I woke up and my belly was so big. And, um, you know, I, I always say that, that carrying a baby as your belly gets bigger, you know, when you're like me, your dreams get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and that's what happened with Michael. With Mitch, it was my worry got bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And then it was, it was that eight months pregnant day when I was so, my belly was so big and my worry could not have been bigger. And I was in the ugliest of ugly cries that morning. And, and I, I remember saying, here's my negotiation with God. I'm so great at this. I'm so faithful and wonderful. I don't know. There's not a Bible verse in the Bible that can handle what I was negotiating, but I was like, you know, I'm like, dude, you know me, you've known me for 30 years. Like there's no way that I could handle a second diagnosis. Like just give it, give me something right now that I can get on with my day and stop all this worry that's keeping me up at night so that I am hundred percent, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a type A. I want things all tidy up in a bow and done. I don't have to worry about it anymore. So give me that sign that says, you got it, Kristen. You can't, you, you stink at this. You'd never be able to handle a second one. And yeah. at that moment, as I was in the ugliest of cries, Michael came bouncing in my room at three and a half years old. Michael never walked. He always, he's to this day at 23, he's got a little bounce in his step <laughs> and his, his famous line that changed everything for me was, mommy, isn't this the best day ever? <laughs> that was the moment that I, well, first I was like, uh, what now? How could this possibly be the best day ever? And then he listed off three and a half, right? The sun shining. I've got all my toys and I'm so happy. Oh, uh, oh man, this kid here. I was dreaming my whole life to be the best mom in the world. And I was the worst mom for Michael. The I was the yeah. only thing standing in the way of him living his his purpose and and getting out there in the world and having the tools to navigate a world. I was the only one in the way of all that. Wow. So it was not my best day ever, but it it was the best moment ever in my entire life to have me start looking at it completely differently. I and and you know I realize now I give, I give that Kristen a heck of a lot of grace. Now, you know, what's the saying? You you do the best you can do until you know better than you do better. Right. And that's how Maya Angelou put it. I was doing the best I could having never met a blind person, no resources. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was nothing. Um, and I, I will say one of my most proudest things now when I look back is, oh my gosh, you know, that was hard. It is hard to hear. It's hard to hear anything about your your child that you didn't expect. Yeah. 
I did make the decision after I got through all of that and, and realized the power of changing my attitude and, and meeting other people that were succeeding without sight that I needed to know. I said, you know what? I'm going to be that. I was so mad that there was no mom for me to talk to. And that, that anger I realized was derailing a lot of things that, that I should have been um, yeah. a complete opposite and turned it into, okay, let me then be that mom. Let me be the wow. mom that I didn't have. You changed your mind. We always say that you can't change your life until you change your mind. You changed your mind about that and you decided to be what wasn't for somebody else. That, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that that, but I have to say that I can't take credit for that at all. I was raised in a service above self family. I mean, we were, my, my parents were servant leaders. I have a, you know, my family's a military background. Um, they ran the youth groups at our church. Like it was always about service in our house. Right. So, and I think that's why I was like going, it was like, I was going against the grain of, of my core values when I wasn't in service, when I was just sitting in poor me and entitlement and all the things. So when I changed my mind on that, you look back on if somebody, if I were to do an infographic of the timeline of, of the past 20 years, you see the giant blip when everything really started to change for me. It was simply changing my mindset of why is this happening to me instead of, okay, let me go help somebody else so they don't sit there like that too. Wow. Self-brain surgery works. (laughs) Yes, it does. It works. So you're, you're, um, at that moment, you you become this advocate. You you change who you are, um, and you start looking for ways to make not just your kids but other families' lives easier. So, to talk about what it's like for a, a a blind child to go to public school, for example, when when all this was happening for you. Well, to be perfectly honest, when Michael started kindergarten in the public schools, I mean, I came when once I found out I was pregnant with Carissa, we were living in Chicago at the time. And my family is a Philly family and all of my friends are back here. And I said, I knew I knew when that happened, I said, I'm going to need a lot of help here. This is I could feel myself kind of spiraling a little bit into it was just too overwhelming. So we came home. I got to handpick where we were going to live. And got to pick one of the top school districts, they probably say on the planet, I'll tell you in the state of Pennsylvania, they are one of the top school districts. So I'm thinking, and I have, I was a teacher. Okay, I'm going to drop him off at, at the best school district on the planet in kindergarten, and this is going to be great. And then I'll figure out, you know, raising Mitch. Michael would come home crying every day from kindergarten after he sailed through preschool. Mm. He said, this is too hard. And I went into the school, nothing was in place for him. And the school said to me, we don't know what to do. I'm like, well, you're supposed to know what yeah. to do. You should know what to do. That's why I moved here, right? So then after lots of meetings and crying, and <laughs> I, I was, I always say this, Lee, and, and this is a big thing in, in our uh, Brilliantly Resilient work and that show that we that me and Mary Fran do. I realize that I have my biggest hurdles in life. And when I've had my biggest struggles and have, have not done the self brain surgery is when I stay stuck in what should be like, I, I should have had kids that could see and follow the dreams that I had planned for them. When I drop them off at the, at the number one school district, they should be able to handle my kids. They didn't know. I mean, how many people really ever educate a blind child in a public school? So instead of looking at, you know, 
beating my fist on what should be, when I turned around and started looking at what could be, stopped saying what should be, let's let it go, what could be? So I said to the school, what if I go find the best program in the United States to educate a blind child and build it here at this school? Wow. And God love them. They said, okay, because we don't know what to do, but we will put our trust in you to find out what to do. Wow. And I did that. I built, and luckily for me, the number one program was here in the city of Philadelphia, this day school for the blind. And I went and talked with them, saw their program. And each year I would go like before first grade, before Michael went to first grade in, in May of kindergarten, I was at that school seeing what exactly they were doing. And then we built it in first. And every year we would just build, build, build. And now I'm able to come out and tell people around the world the elements of a great program for a blind child. People don't have to relocate to another city. They don't have to bang their head against the wall. They can build it in their own school districts. Wow. Amazing. So just the power of advocacy, right? Doesn't that speak to all of us? Like, is there some place in your world, listener, where something isn't right, something ought to be, and it's not, and and maybe God put in your heart, hey, I'm the one that can do this. Like that, that's amazing, Kristen. I mean, even even I'm, I'm I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are dealing with with divorce or relationships that just aren't working, and and maybe some toxicity and stuff. I sat so long in should be, and it shouldn't be like this, or it should be like this, and then when I finally said, okay. What do I have control over here? What if I got my head around this and changed my mind on it? What what actually could be? I mean, I was even going through that with with my dating life. Like I should be in a phenomenal relationship right now. I'm a great person. I have so much I want to share in this world. I did, you know, when I stopped doing that with the should be and said, "Okay, what could be at work here?" What if I looked at what is God doing here with yeah. me that, or I need to do inside my own self and to be, to this, this, I haven't really talked about this, Lee, you get me to talk about everything. What <laughs> I realized is I was still in that story of Kristen, you know, in high school and all those years ago of get married, have the hero guy, you know, all those Disney movies, all that story of find a hero. To, yeah. to align yourself with instead of, hey, be your own dang hero. Be your own hero of your own life and see what happens. That's right. You got to be the hero of your own story. I mean, not in the sense of Jesus's or, you know, but 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 you're right. If you're not the leading person, the leading lady of your own life, then then who nobody's going to come along and do it for you. Um, I just read a book. I'm going to try to get him on my podcast. This guy that was born with um, missing the hand on one arm and he also had type one diabetes. He had two like big hits and he got into drug addiction and all these things. And then he decided I got to make something in my life. And he's now the world champion power lifter among disabled people. He's got this modified hand so he can hold a bar and, and he's become this, you know, internationally known speaker and all this. But he said, um, what you just said, it kind of reminded me of something he said, Chris Rudin is his name. And he said, people sit and lie fallow in today crying about what yesterday should have been so they could have the tomorrow they dreamed about having instead of making it happen today. Like, yeah, it's, mm. it's the truth. It's the truth. Or I, I heard it um, a little bit different from the head, the editor in chief of entrepreneur magazine, Jason, oh. I, I'm, I think it's Pfeiffer is his last name, but he says, we, we keep looking at the loss 
instead of turning a little bit and looking for the gain, you know, yeah. what, what are we gaining? Do I call blindness a blessing? No, but I have gained so much in my life. Is divorce a blessing? No, but I have gained so much from being out of a, an extremely unhealthy situation. Um, even, even, you know, and, and like I said, with, with dating, I have gained so much in the past year as I decided to really do self brain surgery. <laughs> I was looking at, you know, the, the stuff that you would send. And, oh my gosh, Lee, some of your newsletters, I'm like, is, is my house bugged? Is he talking with Alexa? Like, <laughs> this is exactly what I'm struggling with. And you're like, guess what? And you have the, like, my name is right there in your newsletter. Like, Kristen, yeah. here's what Honey's app. And I'm like, whoa. But when I, when I think about now, the Kristen I am now, because I took the time for the past year to really be open to what am I supposed to be learning here? And I got to tell you that, uh, I think I told you the last time I was on, I can't really rattle off Bible verses, but my Jesus Jams playlist from, from K-Love, like all of my good Christian rock. Oh, I can always give you a song, but I constantly go back to that one. Good to me by Rhett Walker. Cause it's just that I just remind myself every day. This is a God that really wants good things for me. That's right. And when I do my day that way, and when I look through the lens of, he really wants good and he's always been good. I've just had my opinions of, you know, I'm not the most patient right. person in the world. I do want to talk to him about an accelerator button. I think he should offer that. Yeah. Go faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when I look through it with that lens, it just, and I do it all the time. We are in a, my, my, my daughter's going through a big struggle right now. And I keep saying, let's look for, Let's look for what we can learn from this. Let's look for getting your power back. And as I was so mad a couple of months ago about why should she have to deal with this at 18 years old? This is her senior year and she should be, you know, everything carefree. And she's got yeah. a, a full scholarship to basketball next year. And but then I said one day, thank God she's going through this while she's still home. Yeah. And I can put all the support around her and she's going to be the strongest college freshman next year. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's amazing. You know, so so fast speaking of accelerator, fast forward to you did all these you went through all this advocacy, you led for your kids and you went through and helped the schools and, and your kids didn't grow up with this idea that not having sight was a disability for them. That, that they had it was just part of their life. So what what did those two boys accomplish in high school and now like what's going on with them in their lives and and let's just see the effect tell the tell the listener 83 countries last week that are listening so to tell them what your kids did as a result of those seeds that you planted along the way it's it's an amazing story well well let me let me give a little bit of context to it that's probably not a shock to your listeners in in all 83 countries here in the united states and it's very similar around the world the unemployment rate for the blind is 70 percent there's other statistics that will say 81%, but we'll go with 70 just to, you know, yeah. it's been more, more statistics and more resources say that. Um, and only 15% of blind college students graduate. Wow. Only 30% of blind high school kids graduate. Now, this has nothing to do with blindness. It is the story that the world tells these kids and adults about blindness, right? Right. So, Michael, my oldest, graduated Penn State last spring, summa cum laude, wow. two majors, two minors, a pre-law certificate, um, was the graduation marshal. Lee, when I tell you, I watched, I have this video, you know, everyone says, thinks in their minds, 
a blind person has to follow a sighted person, right? As a graduation marshal for the, for the School of Communications for Penn State University, Michael led, oh my gosh, he led the graduation procession wow. into the Bryce Jordan Center with wow. what, 10,000 people in there. And there he is with his cane proudly in front of him, which is such a symbol of he had the tools that he needed to master blindness. Yeah. If without them, it never would have happened. Without Braille, without the white cane, without me, ooh, letting go of what I thought of those tools and making sure that they mastered that. So he graduated. Then he went, you know, I said 70% are unemployed. There's lots of, it's even hard to even get interviews as a blind person. Wow. Gets into one of the most competitive internships in the world, the Disney um, professional internship, not the college program. Got into that. And then he just was offered a full-time live entertainment sound engineer at Disney Corporation and and living with a, a good friend that he just met six months ago down there wow. in Orlando. Wow. Having the time of his life. Wow. And just to, just to be clear, I mean, just to clarify this for the listener in case anybody wonders, he wasn't the number one graduate among all the blind kids. Like we're talking about how many thousand kids that graduated from Penn State that year? It was uh, 10,000 10, undergrads, and he was in the top 0.5%. Yeah, so so not among the, dis, the disabled yeah. kids, quote-unquote, all the kids. Your son went to Penn State and finished first. Like th That's incredible because you didn't let him think that there was anything wrong with him just because he couldn't see. Yeah, and, and honestly, Lee, and this is what I have a, uh, a short film coming out, I see – the way I see it is when all things are equal, when access is in place and when the tools of blindness are mastered, my son and people like him have the competitive edge over other people. And he actually gives his company that he works at the competitive edge. They're already losing their minds over the suggestions that he has to make even a Disney parade accessible for more than just the blind. Wow. For people with all kinds of challenges, they are just like every day someone's in his office saying, oh, my gosh, and he's got some stuff that he's even inventing to make the experience more magical wow. there. But I just because, you know, ever since Michael and Mitchell were born, they have been dealing with I say dealing with they say navigating a world not built for blindness. They've yeah. been managing these biases against them. They've been, you know, tolerating the rest of us. They have to creative problem solve. I mean, I always tell the story of of. When Michael was, he was furious and he couldn't get a license at 16. He didn't want to ride the school bus. What does he do? Finds a loophole in the honors lot parking pass thing. All the kids that didn't make the GPA to get in this special parking lot, he got the parking pass and said, hey, want to take me to school every day? <laughs> he had a ride to school every day. Loved it because he got to socialize with everybody. He never had to get on the school bus. They're just wow. creative and they... You know, my boys have developed a, a nice, um, fun charm about them to be able to get people to to be helpful when they need them to be helpful. And I think, you know, I know I noticed when I moved Michael to Florida last last June, I noticed one of the most incredible skills I did not realize he had. And it is one of the most useful things that is probably impossible to teach as I'm watching him try to deal with these people at this property and all this stuff that wanted no point, you know, no parts of being helpful. Michael knows exactly when he has gone as far as he can go with somebody and he yeah. does not waste another second. 
with that person where I'm standing there going, excuse me, (laughs) I want to tell you. And he's like, mom, we're moving on. Goes to the next, does this. And that he doesn't waste any time on people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You said, you said it twice. You've said it twice now. He mastered blindness. So that, that, that made me think like, for those of us who are sighted, who don't have some obvious disability, like what parts of our life have we failed to master and we're not as good at as we ought to be? Um, that's a, I'm not asking you for an answer. That's a rhetorical question, but wow, it's blowing my mind to think about that. Like he took the biggest challenge that could have been the, the roadblock for his life. And both your boys did and, and turned it into making everything else. He's got to be better at everything else than anybody else is. So once he masters his disability, He's better than other people if the playing field's level. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But but think about it. I mean, back to my my thing this past year. I had to master being by myself, doing wow. life, you know, standing on my own two feet, being financially sound, you know, all of it. All of it. I had to manage my finances. Right. I took and now I'm like, now I'm like, bring it. I figured out the water filtration system in my house with well water. I feel like <laughs> I can do anything. <laughs> awesome. okay, Just a okay. year ago, I would have been like, I hate this. I should have somebody here figuring it out. Now I'm like, I talk to people about well water. I'm like, what kind of chemicals you got? Oh my God. I go into the hardware store. They're like, hey, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Okay. I, I promised you 30, 30 minutes. We're bumping up against it. So I want to make sure we cover you. you you've got this story that, that, that is unparalleled. And, and now you have, you've written books before. You wrote Brilliantly Resilient with Mary Fran, who was on the show recently, did a great job. Mary Fran Bontempo. Um, for those of you listening, go back and listen to that one if you haven't. Um, and you've written another book. Um, Driving blind. blind was Driving my blind. first one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, now you've written a children's book. So tell us about, I love the title, best title ever. Like, tell us about your children's book. Yeah. So this one is what I can be is up to me. And it is, it is directed specifically at six-year-olds, first graders for the most part, because it wow. was at six years old when Michael was in first grade that he met Eric Weinmayer, the first blind mm. person to summit Mount Everest. He had just come off Everest and Michael and I got to meet him. And I watched, I mean, how lucky am I, Lee, that I watched the moment that transformed my son's life. He's talking to Eric. Now, Eric, you should have him on your show. He is hilariously funny. He's the youngest of three boys. So now you're, you get a picture of, you know, he's like one of those risk takers and fun and charismatic and people want to be around him. He and Michael hit it off in, in just in saying hello. They were, they talked about wrestling and all this stuff in Michael's little, in his little mind. He's, and I watched it happen. Like this guy just came off Mount Everest and he's just like me. So, oh, blind people do things like climb Mount Everest. (laughs) Wow. That was, that was was what he filed in that little brain. So nobody has ever been able to say, I know that his brain goes when someone says, oh, I don't think that you're right for this job. I know he wants to say, um, have you climbed Mount Everest? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my people can do? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so this is geared very much for that age because 
you know, I mentioned I, I've got this short film to to change perceptions of blindness with employers, right? And change adults that have been fed the story of blindness for so long that it's yeah. underachievement. Parents that were trying to change their mind, all these people are trying to change their mind. And literally one day I was like screaming. I was so frustrated over changing people's minds. And I said, you know what? How, what if their mind, what if the story of blindness was different from the very beginning? Yeah. Let's get the youngest minds, the youngest readers, put a story in their hands and let's change the story of blindness from the youngest kids. Now, I haven't wow. abandoned all those other people. We're yeah. still going to do that. But this one, and I also said, you know, I didn't want, and this this is going to sound however it's going to sound. I didn't want some boring book that, okay, this is, let's check the box that we read a book about blindness and it's right. a whatever. This, my two favorite books when I was a first grade teacher we're chicka chicka boom boom and going on a bear hunt, right? They're very <laughs> exciting and there's stuff happening. I mean, I was like legendary for going on a bear hunt. This book is is so much like those. It has the same, it's very exciting. And the six characters that are all the characters are blind. Um, the illustrator is a blind illustrator. Wow. Wait, how cool is this? So when she did the illustrations, the way she did them was I interviewed every person that's featured in the book. She listened to the interviews then creates the illustration. And I was, I was, it's, it's rare for me to be speechless, Lee. Let's admit that. (laughs) I could not find words when she would send me each of these. And I'm like, you captured it, but that's another skill that once you, you know, my boys can, can hear voice inflections. They can hear when somebody meets them, they know in a, in a, in a hello and a, how are you? If they're trustworthy or not. They just, they hear everything. It's incredible. Yeah. So this, this, and the book is in, it's only going to be available in print and Braille in one book. So everyone can access it. I'm I'm envisioning two first graders sitting next to each other, one reading the Braille, one reading the print, because that's what Mike uh, Mitchell and Carissa used to do together with those kinds of books. It has picture descriptions. For the blind, but here's the other piece that that um, folks don't realize: a blind parent can read this children's story to their sighted child. Wow! Like it's just it's just finally this this one fully accessible, and you don't know that the people are blind until the end of the story. It's it's a skateboarder, and they're doing wow. all this fun stuff and all these action words, and then you go, wait a minute, what? <laughs> That's amazing. That explains the the mountain, the, the the cover of the book that you share with us as a person standing on the mountain with the flag, and and so that's related back to the Everest uh, summit. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, because so, Eric uh, is in the book. When's the book coming out? It is in production right now at the National Braille Press. They are the partner that we're partnering with to put it together, and it should be in about six weeks. That it's there's wow. still some time to order a pre order a copy. Um, and then it'll be out to everybody within about six to eight weeks. Wow. Now you, you crowdfunded this project. So you, you raised money from donors. Um, is it fully funded now or can people still donate? The Kickstarter ended, it was fully funded and went over. What we did is, um, the website, what I can be is up to me.com, the name of the book. Um, people can still donate because now we're going, I didn't realize we were going into phase two so soon. We're going into now, um, we're building out a whole, once we have the funding, building out a whole online portal where 
parents can come and and find out activities to do with the book, conversations to have with their blind child and the sighted siblings. Teachers from all first grade classrooms can come and and get activities to do beyond the book. And and it'll have all the um, links and videos to each person that's featured in the book. You can go in and explore them even more. That's great. So people can donate to that. So we'll make sure the links are available for all of that. And then tell us finally about your film that you've made. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? Kristen Smedley, executive producer. What is happening here? This is this is what I'm telling you, Lee, you'll appreciate this every day when these big things happen. I'm like, no wonder they, you know, you always say that, that, of course, God isn't going to show you the whole journey. You'd have a heart attack, right? right? If I would have known 23 years ago what I'd be doing. So the the short film, the, the basic, it's called The Greatest Equalizer. Like I said, when all things are equal, the goal, there's two main goals of it, that when after 22 minutes of watching this, Every CEO of every company is going to say, oh, my God, we need blind employees or we're losing the competitive edge. Not it's a nice thing to do. Not we should. It's, oh, we're losing the competitive edge if we don't have these people on our team. The second and equally important goal is is um, and this was really my most important reason for doing this, that all blind and visually impaired people that are sitting on disability or in some low level job that the world said, this is good enough and have big dreams for their life. They go, I want in, I want back in the game. I'm calling Kristen. Well, they're calling thriving blind Academy (laughs) where I am. And I went back in the game and we're building all of the, the, um, from step one, calling us all the way to getting them into the job market in meaningful jobs where they can design the lives of their dreams. Wow. Wow. What a great work you're doing. Hey, what what is something that the listener needs to change their mind about from your perspective? Well, here's here's I wanted to make sure that I made this clear. And I didn't believe this years ago when I walked away from my faith, when I when it was just too hard and I thought that my life should be different. Yeah. I, I want people to realize. I actually am thinking about the name of my my faith book is to be don't stop believing. Don't mm. don't stop believing. You can I feel like you can take a break, take a pause, um question, be angry, do all the things. But I, I can say with a thousand percent certainty that the years that I stopped and walked away were the worst years of my life. And I have been through some very hard things. But I continue when I decided that I was going to always walk in faith through the hard things. That that's how I'm able to say, look at what I learned about myself. Wow. Look at all that's happening now. I never would have had the energy because I know I didn't have the energy all those years ago. I sat and sulked and was angry and created a lot of problems for myself. Wow. Don't stop believing. <laughs> Kristen Smedley, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I so enjoy um all the work that you're doing, Lisa and I are big fans and, and uh, really praying that the book changes lives. And, um, Hey, by the way, you're one of only about 25 people in the world who has read my new book. Hope is the first dose. And thank you so much for your endorsement and, and the kindness that you shared to us for that. Oh, well, thank you for sharing it with me because that was a, a main big piece of the past year in my, how I'm looking at, at things differently. So I appreciate that. Oh, wow. That means a lot. Kristen praying for you. Appreciate you. Great to have you with us today. Thank you. Oh, thanks.
That was awesome. Really good job. Oh, man. I just have so much to smile about. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.